Well, good morning. Ooh, wow. It's that teacher voice I have. It really is a pleasure to be back here with you this morning. Whenever I get that email from Mike uh, asking me to come and to, to share God's Word with you, my family is always excited to come to Fishkill Baptist Church and to lift up the name of God. So we thank you for welcoming us once again. I want to start our time this morning by asking you a very important question. It's the question, who are you? And what makes up your identity? It seems to be a question that keeps popping up in our culture today. And if you type those questions into any internet search engine, you would get a variety of answers. And if you clicked on the images section of any search engine, you would see a number of different graphics that try to explain what are the things that make up a person's identity. And I wanted to share a few with you this morning. And here's our, our first one, what it looks like. It's a simple one, right? It has a variety of different words that are meant to describe what your identity is. Then they start to get a little bit more complex, like this next one, with uh, some different text boxes that are surrounding the word identity, again, trying to bring in a variety of different things that will make up what makes you up. And then sometimes they get really complex. I mean, this one, I stared at it for a few minutes, but I couldn't really figure it out. It has arrows that go up and down and to the right. That's just too much for me. I, I'm just, I need to go in one direction. So uh, this one gave me a headache. And uh, we can get that one off the screen because it's, it's just frustrating. But if you were at a social gathering and you were with some people that you'd never met before and you were going to ask them some questions or they were going to ask you some questions to try to find out some more information about who you are, I want you to think about what are some common questions that we would ask each other. For example, you would hear, what do you do for a living? And it implies the fact that how you earn money or what your place of employment is, is a big part of who you are. We may ask the question, are you married? Do you have children? Again, giving the impression that part of your identity is linked to your marital status and whether or not you are a parent. You might hear a question, what do you like to do in your spare time? What are your hobbies? Hunting, fishing, knitting, crocheting, hiking, biking, camping. Are those the things that determine who you are at your core? So the world that we live in says yes. That your physical features, your interests, your goals, your habits, the grade that you are in at school, the sports that you play, even your gender. The world that we live in crams these things together and tells us that they form our personal identity. But I want to let you know this morning that if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to understand that your identity is not found in your likes and your dislikes. It is not found in the college major that you chose or that you will choose. It is not found in your educational or social status. Your identity is found in Christ. It is found in your relationship with Almighty God, not in your relationship with the things of this world. This is not to say that we should never go hiking, that we should never go camping or go swimming. It doesn't mean that we should not seek to educate ourselves. It does mean that these things do not form your identity. They do not define who you are. And this is important because as the world that we live in, we live in moves further and further away from the things that God cares about, it is vital for followers of Jesus to understand who they truly are. 
And there are many followers of Jesus in today's world, and even those who do not know Jesus, who have what I call an identity crisis. And the Bible is filled with numerous scripture passages that help us to recognize who we are in Christ and about our connection with him. That it is not in ourselves, and it is not in the things of this world. This morning I'd like to share one of those passages with you from Psalm 139. And this is a great starting point for us to look at some of these passages and to help us to understand and deal with the identity crisis that we have in our culture. And we will see from this passage that our identity is found in our relationship with God because He is our Creator. He is the one who has given us our identity because He has given our existence meaning and purpose. And unfortunately, in numerous schools across our country, and I can testify to the fact, as a public school teacher for the past 23 years, that children are taught that their existence in this world is accidental. And if we follow that way of thinking to its logical conclusion, it means that there is no real meaning or purpose to their life that a series of accidental processes over a very long period of time led to them being here and us being here in the present. They have been taught that there is no grand plan, there is no design, and therefore there is no purpose for any of it. All of this, all of it, is pure chance. Some have tried to make sense and to find purpose by using the phrase, the universe. Have you heard this phrase? One time that I heard this phrase was that I had a student many years ago whose mother, unfortunately, had terminal cancer. And I was so thankful that the principal of my school actually went to the hospital where this mother was because she had days left and her daughter was going to graduate any day. And the principal actually had a graduation ceremony in the hospital. It was on the news and in the paper uh, near where I work and where I live. But we pulled this student aside on the last day of school because we wanted to do something special for her. We knew that she was going to need a laptop for her first year of college. And someone who is very generous donated a lot of money for us to get her a really nice computer for her next year. And as this teacher was about to present this laptop, this is how she presented it. She said, we knew that you had a need, so we sent it out. I don't know what that means, we sent it out. So we sent it out, and the universe responded. You can better believe that afterward, I was sure to pull that student aside and then actually have a conversation with that teacher later on about where I think that laptop came from. And you can better believe that the words, the universe, were not in that conversation at all. But teaching that you have no meaning or purpose has contributed to the suicide epidemic that we have in our culture today. It has contributed to people who self-medicate with drugs and alcohol. So one of the foundational elements in tackling the identity crisis in our culture today is to understand that you are not an accident. That there is purpose and there is meaning to your life. This purpose was not created by you. It was given to you by your creator. And since it has been given to you by God, it cannot be taken from you. Not by any person or any life circumstance. So today we're going to look at this passage from Psalm 139 in which David is in awe of God's knowledge of us. 
He is in awe of the fact that God's presence is everywhere. And he is in awe of God's amazing creative power in creating our physical bodies. And I'm going to encourage you at some point to go back and read the entire Psalm 139. But for our time today, we're going to focus on a short section, verses 13 through 18. And I'd like to read that this morning. And I would ask, out of respect for God's word, if you would stand with me, please, as I read. This is what David writes. He says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I am awake... I am still with you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray for us now as we battle with a culture that seeks to tell us who we are, that we are defined by the ways that we earn money or we are defined by our stuff. Lord, I ask that you would remind us this morning how we define ourselves, that we are defined by what you say about us, that we are defined by our relationship with you, our creator. That our life is not meaningless or purposeless. And Lord, remind us this morning that you have given our days meaning. That you have given us purpose. Lord, help us to look to you this morning. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Please be seated. So in this passage, David points to the incredible power of God as the creator in these verses. And he gives us a wonderful mental picture. And I don't know about you, but I've always been amazed at people who know how to knit and crochet. I was especially amazed at them after I tried to learn how to knit myself, when you realize how hard something is when you try to do it. But when I see something that someone knit together, it's always amazing to see how each stitch has value. That each stitch is important, that it's connected to the one before it, and it's connected to the one after it as well. Whether it's a sweater or a scarf or a blanket. And in Psalm 139, David writes that God knit us together in our mother. He orchestrated the events that involved the formation of every single cell in your body. It was not the universe, and it was not by chance. David states in Psalm 139, verse 14, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So I'd like to share a picture with you of a lesson that I did when I spoke at a a teen snow camp several years ago. And what I did in front of our teens is I tried to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich by accident. So I started with some bread. After this bread, I added in my peanut butter. I'm more partial to the chunky, but for this experiment, we use the creamy. It really doesn't matter. Um, Then I threw in my jelly. Right, it broke my heart to waste a tablespoon of my favorite jelly. This stuff is expensive. Well, everything's expensive now, but this is really expensive. And I put them all in a Ziploc bag. So this is our starting point, right? I put them all in close proximity to one another. Now listen, we are starting with a lot of presuppositions here, right? We're starting with the fact that wheat somehow grew somewhere and then picked itself And then all this wheat was ground together and made into flour, combined with salt and oil and yeast. It was risen and bread was made randomly and found its way into this bag. 
We're starting with the fact that peanuts grew somewhere, fell to the ground, shelled themselves, smashed together, and again found themselves in close proximity to that bread. And finally, we come to the realization potentially that we have um, jelly that was made randomly with strawberries. But I started with all those things together. And my goal was to have these things accidentally put themselves together into a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So I shook the bag violently. <laughs> and that's what I came up with right there. Nobody was really around at the time, so I thought maybe I didn't shake the bag hard enough. So I shook it. Really, I went to town. I was really going for it. And again, this is the final thing that I came up with. And obviously, this is a ridiculous experiment, right? We know that making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich requires some knowledge. It requires a basic level of skill. There is thought involved, and while the steps may vary in making the sandwich, we know that there is thought that is necessary in putting this sandwich together. So why do I share this with you? I want you to hold that thought. And while you're holding that thought, I'd like to share with you about your body that was fearfully and wonderfully made. So I have some pictures that go along with some of the ways that I'd like to describe your body. The first is, did you know that your human brain has an incredibly complex communication system that has a network of neurons? And these neurons aren't connected to each other. There's a small space between each one called a synapse. And the way that they communicate is these chemical messages get sent back and forth at an incredibly high rate of speed. And these synapses in the cells in our brain have been compared to the number of stars in the universe. The scientists say that there are 400 billion synaptic junctions in one gram of brain tissue. In the next picture... The pathway of blood flow in your body consisting of arteries and veins and smaller blood vessels called capillaries, they comprise up to 60,000 miles of length. That's enough to go around the world that we live in two times. In our next picture, you see our skeletal system, that we have over 200 bones in our body. And each bone has an important function. Not just each bone, but each part of each bone. Every outcropping, every rounded edge has a specific purpose and function, which allows our body to move in a certain way or protect the vital organs that are underneath it. In the next picture, picture, I'll give you a glimpse into my mind. Have you ever wondered why your stomach does not digest itself? Right? I mean, it's filled with fluid that is supposed to break down the food that you eat. How come it doesn't just burn a hole right through your stomach and just leak its contents everywhere? It's because there are certain cells that surround the lining of your stomach called epithelial cells. And these epithelial cells secrete a mucus that creates a barrier around your stomach to protect the lining of your stomach from the contents and the gastric juices that are churning them up. In the next picture, we talk about our heart. Your heart, which is about the size of your fist, it beats about 115,000 times a day. It continues while you're sleeping. Thank God for that. But if you multiply that times the average lifespan of a person, we're looking at billions of heartbeats. If we look at the next picture, even the most expensive and highest quality cameras that man has ever been able to make are nothing 
compared to the human eye. The human eye automatically focuses, allowing more or light to enter in based on the environment that you're in at the time. The two eyes work in tandem, allow you to see width and length. And finally, in the last picture, as computer technicians have done amazing things to allow us to be able to cram more and more information into smaller and smaller spaces, it is absolutely nothing compared to the DNA that is in each cell in your body and the information that is packed inside of it. So now let me take you back to that question that I asked about the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If I could not make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without some planning and some skill, how in the world can we come to the conclusion that the human body was made accidentally? In my opinion, there is greater faith that is required to think that the human body was an accident and to believe that there was a creator behind it. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. We do not need to look any further than the human body to see God's eternal power and his divine nature. In Psalm 138, Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18, is a reminder that our physical body and all of its parts have been carefully crafted by God. It is not an accident. Genesis 1, 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Colossians 1.16, it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or authorities or rulers, all things have been created through him and for him. And many people that I know, and I work with teenagers, so most teenagers that I know look in the mirror and they look at their physical appearance and they see things that they wish they could change. They see their body type and size. They see their hair color, skin imperfections. I mean, the list is endless. But Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18, reminds us that when you look in the mirror, you should be in awe of who God is. You should marvel at God's amazing creation, not be upset with it. And your identity is not found in your physical features, it is not found in your status in this world. The starting point for looking at who you are is to remember that you are God's special creation. But after being in awe of the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, David states in verse 16 of Psalm 139, he says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And again, supporting the understanding that there is purpose, that there is meaning to your life, that your existence is not an accident. And I want you to think about the numerous ways that we in this world try to find meaning and purpose to our life. Time at work, money in an account, championships in a sport, grades in a school, they will never, ever keep us fulfilled. And Psalm 139 verse 16 is a reminder that God has already given our days meaning and purpose. That the days we have already lived and the days that will come in the future. And this purpose is not found in us. 
And that is why many of us continue to feel unfulfilled. And the purpose and identity is found in God and our relationship with him. In Isaiah 43, 6 and 7, especially at the end of verse 7, it talks about this meaning and this purpose for our life. And you even heard it talked about this morning as we sang our songs. In verse 7 it says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You see, the purpose of our days have been ordained for each of us. And the purpose of those days is to glorify God, our Creator. So how we spend each day is important. However, a career, a social status, or even a level of education will not provide us with lasting meaning or purpose. These are not the key elements to our identity. This does not mean that I've given you the right to leave here today and says, I'm just going to quit my job. That's what I heard this morning. Right? Or kids are going to say, I am dropping out of school. That is not my identity. But what is being said is that these things do not define us. Your purpose was established long before you chose a career. And your purpose was established long before you went to school. And I'll speak to our young people as well. Your purpose was established long before Snapchat and Instagram even existed. They do not tell you who you are. And what God has provided, no one can take away. No life experience or tragedy can change your identity because it has been given to you by God himself. And this is important. Your identity cannot be taken from you by others. We heard this morning in Sue's testimony about bullying, about harassment. And there are no amount of insults from other people that can change the fact that you are God's special creation. And I want to let you know this morning that if you call yourself a Christian, you are going to face persecution because of your relationship with Jesus. In 2 Timothy 3, 12, Paul tells Timothy, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Jesus himself in John 15, 20, he says, Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me... They will also persecute you. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you will get persecuted at some point in your life. And the Bible speaks very clearly that it's going to get very intense towards the end. But even this persecution does not change the fact that you are God's special creation. It does not change the purpose of the days that have been ordained for us by God, which is to glorify him. So my hope this morning is that if you're here and you're struggling, you're struggling to find meaning or purpose, Psalm 139 verses 13 through 18 should be a source of comfort for you. That it should help you to understand that you have an identity and it has been established by God before you were even born. You are not an attempt at an accidental peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You are God's special creation. Your life has meaning, that it has value, and that value cannot be found in the words or the affirmation of other people. It cannot be found in the things that we do to seek wealth or from the accumulation of more stuff, like our culture tells us it does. You have been given an identity because God has given it to you. He has created every cell in your body, and he has placed them together perfectly. He gave you a life made in his image with the ability to move and think and reason. 
He has provided you with meaning and purpose so that you don't need to go seek one. So my hope for all of us today and for Fishkill Baptist as a church, that we will continue to work hard, that we will continue to seek to honor God wherever he has led you in his life, in your life, at home, at school, or in a career. But I am praying that you do not seek to find your identity in those things or in other people. I'm praying that you recognize and appreciate that your identity has been given to you by your creator, God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much again for what you have done for us. Lord, what you have done for your, through us for your, from your son, Jesus. Lord, the salvation that you offer is beyond our comprehension. The love that you have for us is beyond our comprehension. But Lord, I pray that you would empower us through your Holy Spirit this morning to recognize that we are in a battle. That this culture is seeking to define what human beings are. But Lord, you have defined it in your word. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage us this morning through those words in Psalm 139. That just as you spoke to David, you would speak to us today that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. That as we look in the mirror every single day, we will be given another reminder, not of what we wish we look like, but of the fact that you are our creator. That all the days have been ordained for us. That you've been given us a purpose, which is to glorify you in every aspect of our lives. Lord, help us to recognize where our identity comes from. We pray these things in your name. Amen.